welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Wendy Eureka, who relaunched after an extended career break from a technology career and is now a senior engineer at a major advertising agency. Wendy has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering and years later got a master's in software engineering as part of her relaunch. After her career break, Wendy returned to a technical support role at a bank and ultimately moved up to senior technical lead at Tantar, a global marketing, branding, and advertising agency. She and I got in touch when she wrote to me on LinkedIn, and here's what Wendy said. She said, we met when your first book came out. I was in my work gap and lost, and a friend at my temple who saw you speak in Boston said we all needed to hear you. We invited, you came to us, and it changed my life forever. I came to one of the New York City early conferences and had interesting doors open. I was not ready yet, though. I could not pass the tests. I could not get the offers. I went back to school and I relaunched while searching for my dream job. I'd call the past eight years since I've been back a career obstacle course, scaling a sheer rock face without safety equipment, at times just clinging with my fingers and toes. Wendy, that's quite a description. I so appreciate you getting in touch and thank you so much for everything you said. It's so gratifying. Welcome, and we're excited to have the conversation. Thank you, Carol. It's really wonderful to be here, and I'm very honored that you asked to speak with me. Well, I can't wait to to hear more. And I want to know if we could start by actually taking a step back and whether you could set the stage for us and tell us about your early career up until your career break. Um, sure. Um, I need to establish some background because not many women went into engineering from my generation. Um, we do now have a focus with girls with the STEM, or I like to call it STEAM and include the arts. Um, but I lost my mother to cancer when I was nine years old. And this experience mm. sort of changed the direction of my development. Um, I lived with various family. I viewed the world around me as an outsider. And um, it became okay for me to be alone. And uh, I also had a very strong work ethic um, and preferred earning a paycheck on my own. And that was a big influence as um, I was growing up. And math was easy for me and I liked it. Um, There was no real influence to go towards engineering, uh, but I had male friends a lot and hung out with in the math classes and related to those who kept to themselves. So um, I wanted to sort of bring that out because an interesting thing throughout my career was meeting other women very similar to me. Um, so there's, I always felt like someday I expect to see a TED talk and I would think, oh, that fits me, you know, mm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I first earned a degree in computer science and I wanted more. So I went and got a bachelor's in electrical engineering. Um, I wanted to go to NASA. It's many young engineers dream to do, but not to be an astronaut, but in the control room. And when I graduated, mm-hmm. I went to Houston, Texas. And during my interviews, um, we had the shuttle accident. 
Um, it's yeah. an awful time to be there. I remember that. And everything shut down. And mm-hmm. um, there was an immediate hiring freeze. So I looked around because I needed work and to get paid. Um, and I found a startup down there, uh, Compact Computer. Oh, wow. One of the first 200 people hired there. And it was a very unusual experience, a very unusual time. I had so many opportunities. Um, and, you know, they called them the Silicon Cowboys. Um, mm-hmm. I became a printed circuit board designer. And it wasn't something I studied at school at all. Uh, but I loved it. It had math. It had visual art relationships. And there was, you know, just so much to learn. From there, I went on to um, telecommunications. Um, I would say when I left the computer field, it was uh, just accepting of women. And um, I don't know why, but I went again into a field with probably less women. Um, And it was difficult. And I think I probably ended up burning out from it. But that's Mm -hmm. when I left and took my career break. I see. Uh, and then you were away from your technical career for an extended period. Mm. So how did you know you were ready to come back? So I think what happened was I, I ended up in nonprofit fundraising. Um, mm-hmm. I did fundraising since I was a child trying to raise money for the cure for cancer and such. And um, I did some work and some volunteer and I never understood the value of my volunteer time, um, including the fact that I won awards and we we raised a lot of money. Um, And then we ended up as the nonprofit in the Bernie Madoff scam, and they lost a lot of money. And I became very heartbroken and said, you know, I think I need to go back to tech. But I was completely lost and I wasn't sure how to find a way back to that career. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when you entered the picture and you mm-hmm. the talk and um, your conference was the first time I had gone to a conference of any type of work or anything. And it was um, so inspirational and people talked to me and I, I mm-hmm. felt, you know, already a big step in just going there and opening myself up to having discussions either with the other participants who were her going and searching themselves and for the different, the really wide variety of um, companies that you had there. Um, but as I said, I wasn't quite ready to interview at that time. Right. You know, one of the things we say about our conference is that it's a judgment-free zone. Mm-hmm. And also everyone there is there because they took a career break or because they're employ- an employer who knows that the people there took a career break. So you don't have to explain it in the way that you might in another context. And it is pretty level setting and that's pretty empowering. Um, But you said, you're saying that you were still early on and and pretty lost at that time. So even though it was a meaningful um, moment for you, how did, like what ultimately happened afterward that, that changed things and got you on a road to really relaunching? So, well, I interviewed, and I know I didn't do well in my interviews. So even though I technically knew things, I was so out of touch that going back to school and maybe having some mentors, you know, there, some professors, um, I, I first 
had a two-year degree, like a certification in information security. And from there, I volunteered in this group, InfraGuard, where you go through and get an FBI background check. And um, I thought this is where I wanted to go. The whole time I was in school, it was at night. And I Mm -hmm. um, had worked part-time for three years at this bank, and I was trying to become full-time so that I could get benefits like health insurance. And it was Mm -hmm. just a dead-end job. So from there, I found um, another startup and went in the usual door, which is tech support and answering the phone. Um, But I also found by having the security of a full-time job and health care and and such, um, they also had tuition reimbursement. And I went back to the brick and mortar school. There is very good, um, there are very good degrees now online, but then I I was insecure. So I I went back to uh, school at night and um, after the information security, I decided to continue on and get a master's. Um, And at that point, the startup environment was becoming, I guess they define it as toxic now, uh, Mm -hmm. women. And I looked around and um, saw an opening at uh, Kantar. Um, I had an amazing experience with an interview. I'd never done a half a day of interview with like five people. Um, it was the first time I was interviewed by a woman uh, mm-hmm. who was a technical um, director or VP. And um, that whole um, experience and how well they accepted me, I knew that I had just finished my degree. Um, this was in 2017. And I um, definitely felt I understood more of what was expected to me, of me. Mm-hmm. Wait, let's just, let, let's just review some of this to make sure it's clear to our audience. So um, you, at the beginning of your relaunch, you had, you were working part-time in this, in a banking role. Um, and that I guess was not that technical. Oh, I, so I, I worked in a, in an IT department, but I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, answering phone calls if somebody's um, printer was out of ink or just doing backup tapes of their servers. And um, I think it just required like a high school education to to get this job. Um, okay. And then you moved to a full-time job at a different bank? Or no, at, at a startup that was, oh, at a, startup. Okay. was a um, data backup and disaster recovery uh, in tech support. And did you get that in part because of that certificate program that you did? No, I, I started the programs after I was in the startup because it was a full-time job and they had tuition reimbursement. And what exactly was the certificate program in? Um, it's information security. It's called CISSP, which is sort of a known certification if you're going to um, take care of networks or data. And- mm-hmm. And were you um, nervous about taking this course? Like you had been away from technology or the, the, this more intensive version of it, of technology for too long? Or did you feel when you saw the description that this was a course that was going to be, I don't want to say easy, but fine for you to handle? Um, so it was a very new 
course. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I felt, well, I think after being electrical engineer, um, that's sort of called top of the food chain. I, nothing to yeah. be nervous about, can I handle and learn this? Um, mm-hmm. It was about having the professor who gave me the support. It was having people around me who talk to me almost daily where when I do become insecure or I do question something seem to come back and say, everything's okay. You know, just keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, and as long as I found that, um, and it's not like official mentoring, but, um, just making those connections helped me keep moving along. So you completed this, um, certificate course. How long did that take you? Two and a half years, maybe. Okay. So you did that. And then did you switch jobs after that? Or that then you stayed in your same job and it gave you the um, courage, I guess we'd say, to enroll in the master's degree program? Or did something else happen in the interim? Um, I stayed in in the same job and I was hopeful I could move up technically. Um, Mm -hmm. I did move into a quality assurance role. So, and out of tech support, but, um, the way things were going at that company, it wasn't favorable for women or underrepresented Mm -hmm. people. Um, and so I kept going with school because that wasn't enough for me. And I knew I wasn't going to get a position in that job in information security. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything around I wanted to leave for. So I think you do get comfortable and you, and you tend to settle into a job. Um, Mm -hmm. But once I um, decided to go for it and go for the master's, then I was just sort of all in with my focus to that. So you had to apply for the master's degree program. It was an evening program and you got accepted and then you started the courses and you said it was an in-person program. So you're now in a, in a classroom with, I guess, other engineers. Who uh, yeah. Much, were- much younger people. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I actually didn't apply for the master's until I was close to the end, probably my last year. So I was taking the courses, but I hadn't applied to the program. So I give oh, myself time because okay. I think you have like a five year window or something. And knowing when I started, I knew I had to finish in a time, but I didn't want to lock myself in case I needed to take, you know, more time. Okay. So let me just get this straight. So you started by just taking individual courses um, in computer science? Software engineering. I knew it was required, but I wasn't going to apply for the program because then you're you have a limit that it, the courses need to be done in a certain amount of time. Okay, but because you had taken them, you came in with a certain number of credits, all, and then you could just you could finish it up. Yes. Ah, okay. So it was a software engineering master's degree, and you you took this over time, mm-hmm. and when you completed that program, then and you got that degree, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. How did that make you feel and what happened career-wise afterward? Well, I definitely felt great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That was a big accomplishment. And also, I think I found um, myself mentoring younger people there. 
Um, and they were very interested um, just because it was all local in the startup I was in and just learning about what I was doing uh, because they were just, they were full-time day students. Um, ah, And okay. they would take a course at night. So I see. All right. So most of the peers in the course were full-time day students mm -hmm. who were just happened to be taking this course that was offered at night. Yeah. You were in the night program. Yeah. Um, so you were, and then when you were working or, well, maybe this hadn't happened yet, but when you got your next job, um, and in this classroom, you're with peers. Well, you're with other people who are much younger than you. Yes, both at work and um, at school. Mm -hmm. So did you change jobs after you graduated this program? Yes. And how did that happen? And uh, I mean, did doors open for you? Because at that point, you were back in the workforce. You, it wasn't like you were relaunching. And now you had this additional degree. I think the idea of just getting years in because even the mm -hmm. part-time um, and so you're, you have new current experience and then mm -hmm. I had a brand new shiny degree mm -hmm. and had the, the language and passed the tests. Um, also coming from dis disaster recovery was one of the things the company was interested in me because they were very fast paced. And so they wanted to know that, you know, you could handle um, tight schedules and, you know, Mm -hmm. You can do that in disaster recovery. So um, I think any kind of work is is valuable. So the disaster recovery, are you saying that was related to the software engineering or to the, the, the other degree that you had or to the work that you were doing? Oh, to the work. I mean, where I was going into um, was coming from a technical company and going into an IT group in... An, a company for marketing and advertising, but it's a specific department within it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I, is there any other talking to our, the technical members of our audience, the technical relaunchers, is there any other coursework that you took along the way, um, you know, online or in-person courses or any particular course selection that was important for you that you think people would want to know about who are relaunching in a technical area, especially in computers or software engineering? I think um, most companies really value um, a formal education. Mm -hmm. um, they do say if you're really good, you know, you, it's not about having the degree, but um, there, there's something that you're taught in school that is more than um, just a, a language. Um, it's, it's how to think, how to problem solve. And even if you've had experience, I mean, I was a, a senior printed circuit board designer before. I definitely knew how to think through problems. But learning a new discipline includes... Um, new ways of thinking. So I thought it was important, at least in my case, to have gone through the process of taking the courses necessary for the master's. And a master's at, is a different level also where you're not taking mandatory, you know, 
a history class of something that you might not be interested in. Everything is focused on the fine tuning of this discipline. Yes, I so agree. And just in general, we tell relaunchers that when you enroll in a certificate program, certainly when you enroll in a degree program, an advanced degree program, you are signaling to the employer or prospective employer how serious you are about getting back in the field or in advancing in the field um, in your case. So totally agree with everything you're saying there. Um, Wendy, can you tell us a little bit about what you do now? How long did it take you to get comfortable in your various technical roles? Uh, and um, actually, let, and maybe some commentary on, you know, you were pretty senior, it sounded like, like when you left the workforce and then you took your long career break and you came back in a much, that part-time role, a much more junior role, and then you slowly, you know, made your way back up. Any, any comments on that? When I left and I was senior, I thought I wasn't coming back. And when I came back, I didn't value what I still had in me. So um, what I learned is it wasn't about the titles. Um, I always valued what I learned even more than what my salary was. Um, I wanted to keep growing and learning. Uh, and that I had a passion on the side and that was what my volunteer and my mentoring. Um, and as I kept growing, I, I found a way to bring them together. Um, and that's because there's, it was an idea about inclusion and diversity, and then that's really blossomed into um, a corporate necessity. Um, and I found myself becoming involved with the employee resource groups and starting, I, I did at the startup and at Cantor also, a women in tech group to network people. And from there, I joined a steering committee for inclusion and diversity and found myself thinking um, less as a role model of women in tech and more as wanting to show people sort of how I called it the obstacle course. It wasn't about moving up the ladder and getting the title of, you know, director, vice president, whatever, but mm -hmm. what satisfaction I get from the job. Yeah, you know, Wendy, um, uh, it sounds as though, you know, I was going to ask you this question about how long did it take you to get comfortable in your technical role, but the reality is, is that you did this in such a gradual way over an eight-year period. First, you decided, I'm just going to go in at whatever level you went in, and you weren't focused on um, on that level, and, and you went in at a more junior level, but it also allowed you over a period of time to learn, you know, form, formal, your formal academic um, programs that you were in and also what you were learning on the job. So I'm guessing there was not a moment where all of a sudden you thought, wow, I'm just wading in deep here into a lot of new technical material and I've just got to find my way. You, you were, that was kind of 
already an organic process that was just happening naturally. Am I describing that accurately or was it totally different? No. Yeah. I think, um, I think when I sort of settled back and like you said, it let it organically happen that, um, I always was able to stay comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're interviewing now, and, and I want to sort of turn the tables a little bit. So you're now a hiring manager. You interview um, people who, are, including potentially relaunchers, who are interviewing for technical roles. And our relaunchers have a lot of questions around that. Like, should they have a GitHub portfolio of technical projects? What kind of, what if they get asked a question and they don't know that particular programming language? Is there a way to answer it so you can communicate that you understand the logic behind a process? What kind of advice do you give people who are interviewing for technical roles who are either relaunching or, or maybe just in general? Um, I think when you have a good interviewer that when you leave your interview, you should feel good. Uh, it doesn't matter what the programming language is, the skills are that are necessary. I don't need to know the language of the person interviewing me. I need to hear them talk about a language they know. And I can tell when somebody's being evasive and doesn't know how to do something or when they know in depth what they're doing and can go farther in their discussion. So um, being having your comfort level with what you're saying you know, I'm going to look at your resume and, and you're going to say, I'm either familiar with this or I'm an expert in this and see what level you can discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think that, um, well, when I do mock interviews, it's um, usually young students when I work with the sort of underrepresented youth at inner city schools. Um, I like to thank them when I finish interviewing and ask them how they like the interview and make sure they feel good because I look at them and say, you know, in a few years, and this is for relaunchers too, it doesn't take very long. You can be the hiring person and I could be the one coming and interviewing with you. Mm. So, um, you know, I w- hope that people walk away with this is how they want to be treated and how they want to treat people in the future. And it's so true. We have numerous relaunchers who are working for people who used to work for them. So it, yeah. it, it's something that 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 we see. I don't want to say we, we see it regularly, but what we do see it um, uh, periodically. So um, do you have any comments for relaunchers who are in, in technical fields um, and have to do testing or have to answer technical programming or coding questions. Um, you know, you're talking about how you can tell if people know um, or are, are, are trying to be evasive. Um, any recommendations on, on what to study or what to get comfortable with? Um, and how to talk about answers. Let's say if someone's asking you about a particular programming or coding language and, and you don't know that one, but you know a different one. 
so um yeah whatever you know then you know you know that well you don't have to feel you have to know everything um and while you interview if you say you don't know something then the interviewer should be able to prompt you or help move the discussion past that point to a point again where you can go on to keep showing your um, problem-solving skills. Um, you know, as for whiteboarding um, and taking apart a question to the pieces, it just takes practice. So, you know, if you can find someone to practice with, um, I'm always help, happy to mentor people with it, but it's when you become comfortable enough, if you take an example of just adding up columns of numbers, you know, if someone gave you a column of numbers you never saw, you just, you start working on it and you, and you do it. So someone's going to give you a problem to see, can you take it apart and, and solve it and how you think. Are there online um, tools about this that do mock technical interviews and problem solving? That yeah, yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I I mean I can try to find some to to give to you, but there are um, different types of uh, free um, resources for practice. You know, how about this, Wendy? We will get those from you afterward and we'll put them in the podcast notes. So okay. we'll just tell everyone they'll, they'll be in the podcast notes. We'll include those. Uh, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're we're wrapping up. We are running out of time. And this has been super interesting and really valuable, especially for our technical relaunchers. Uh, and I want to end with a question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Um, when we were talking about technical interviewing and testing, um, you get better the more you do it. Um, as for people relaunching and thinking, I'm either too old or I can't learn something, um, Take a look around because with inclu inclusion and diversity, the thing that makes you the strongest is that you do come from a different place and you think different and you're unique. And so your uniqueness will come out and companies really value that. Um, so that was something I learned and there's a couple people I just wanted to thank for supporting me in learning this as I was growing since I've been at Kantar. And one is Helene Silverman um, for all her support. And a second is Max Ward, who probably doesn't realize just in the everyday value of being there and saying the supportive word and listening. So um, when you asked about what my um, best piece of advice is for people. It's advice that I was given, which is to listen to my inner voice and it's a small trembling, quiet voice inside that will lead you to where you're comfortable and to let yourself make mistakes. Um, some people are so hard on themselves, but I'm a painfully shy person and I've 
found a voice in helping others. Um, and my becoming a role model is just to say to others, see, you can do this too. Wendy, I'm so appreciative. You're, uh, that was great advice and also the idea that you're a painfully shy person, but you did this incredible interview with us, which has so much value um, for our relauncher audience. We really appreciate you sharing and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and thank you for all you do to help create the relaunching community. Thanks, Wendy. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. 